Sovereign Grace Chapel, located at 135 Annabelle Lane in Beaver, West Virginia, invites you to listen to a gospel message concerning Jesus Christ our Lord. In the epistle to the Romans, chapter 1, and verse 16, Paul the Apostle wrote these words, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Very familiar verse to many and not so familiar so far as believing it to many. But he says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. We all have plenty to be ashamed of in life. Ashamed of our sins, failures, shortcomings, at times even ashamed of my religion, ashamed of my ignorance of God's truth, ashamed of my pretense and hypocrisy. I'm sometimes ashamed of my conduct and the conduct of friends. A lot of things to be ashamed of. But one thing I'm not ashamed of and can gladly say with Paul the Apostle, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Amen. Why am I not ashamed? Why am I never ashamed of the gospel? Because the verse continues for, meaning because. Here's why. For it is the power of God unto salvation. It's not just a path to follow. It's not a uh, program to perform. The gospel is the power. God's power. It's what gets the job done. And people think, well, if I could just do a little more of this or a little less of that. No, no, no. The gospel is the power of God. And it's the power of God unto salvation. That little word unto, it means reaching as far as. You remember our Lord said to the disciples, wants to get in the boat, let us pass over unto the other side. He didn't say anything about a storm, there's going to be one. He didn't say anything about them being scared out of their wits and afraid they were going to perish. They did. They were. But he said, let us pass over unto as far as the other side. Now this gospel is the power of God reaching as far as salvation. Unto salvation. To whom? To everyone that believeth. Everyone that does what? Everyone that believeth Amen. to the Jew first 
and also to the Greek or the Gentile. I am not ashamed of this power that changes the hearts of sinners. It's the power that changed my heart. Now, a lot of folk are ashamed of this. A lot of preachers are ashamed of it. They'd rather give folks a to-do list. Uh, you know, a secret list of things to do and unlock the power, the secret you've been looking for. Quit this. Start that. Do such and such. Don't do this, that, the other. No. The gospel of Jesus Christ is itself the power of God. Amen. And we're to believe the gospel. It's the and, and power, of course, is authority. It's the authority of God yes. unto salvation. What Christ did on the cross is what justifies God in justifying us. Yes, Apart from that, God could never look on the likes of you and I with favor. No. But it's what Christ did that justifies God in justifying us us so what is this gospel it's it's good news good news but obviously it's not good news for everybody that's right most folks have no interest whatsoever what is this good news it's that god in eternity past knowing man would fall, purposed not to leave all the human race in the awful condition to which we'd fallen. That's the good news. That's why you and I are here today. Not because of anything we did, but because God chose not to leave us where we were. That's the only reason. He sent his son to live in this world without sin and yet be condemned to die as a sinner on the cross. And there on the cross, he paid for all the sin of his people. Not just the few millions you'll commit while you're here. but the very nature of sin in us. Sin is not what we do, it's what we are. We do what we do because of what we are. So, Christ came, and He's the Savior of the world. You'll find that phrase in there. Not in the sense that all the world will be saved, but in the sense that he's the only savior the world has. You come by Christ or you don't come. God preserved Noah and his family through the judgment of a universal flood. And in that way, God saved the world. Noah and his family Eight souls were instructed to get on the ark. Yes, sir. 
not millions, not hundreds, not nine, not seven, but eight souls. Read your Bible. Were instructed to get on the ark. How many got on? The eight that were instructed to get on. How many survived the judgment? The eight that got on the ark. God saved all he purposed to save. You say, well, I always heard Noah preached 120 years trying to get folks to get on the ark. Yeah, I know you've heard that, but the Bible don't say that. The Bible says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. What does that mean? He's preaching that God is righteous in doing what he's about to do. God is righteous in sending judgment. God was fully justified in what he was about to do. You say, well, how could, how could a good, and people ask me this, how could a God of love destroy a lot of good people? Well, that's simple. There were no good people. Because of sin, there's none good. No, not one. Paul says this in the third chapter. There's none good, no, not one. And in our day, it's the same. There's none good, no, not one. Your sweet grandmother was just like my sweet grandmother with a heart deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked. God said some bad things about us. But he said nothing about us that wasn't true. You can agree with him, or you can hate him for it. And because of sin in you, you can do nothing but hate a God like that unless he melts your heart to agree with him about what you are. Most of your religious folk, I'm trying not to use that word good because that's got true saying it ain't no good. But most of you are religious folk and, uh, and would say, well, I'm not as bad as some. God's standard of judgment is not some. Exactly. It's one. Amen. The sinless one. Amen. The perfect one. Neither you, I, or anyone else can survive the judgment of God standing beside that one. He's too perfect. We're too imperfect. Here's what I want. I don't want to be standing beside that one. I want to be in that one. In that one. That's what Paul said in Philippians 3, 9, that I may be found in him. In him. I don't want God to look at me outside of him. And only fools would. But in him, in him. It's not me and Jesus got our own thing going. Got a good thing. No, no. It's he's got something going. 
and I'm represented in him. That's the good news for me of the gospel. Christ is all my refuge. He's all my righteousness. And you know, this, this sissified fleshly religion build my mansion next door to Jesus. No, no, my dwelling is in Jesus. Build me a cabin in the corner of glory land. No, my stay is in him who sits on the throne. You can have the corners. I want to be found in him. Well, okay, halfway. I'm just getting started here. Who and what is this gospel about? It's about the glory due to the Son of God for what He's done. The Lamb of God who laid down His life for His sheep. He was not a victim on the cross, He was a victor. He wasn't there against his will. He wasn't there against the Father's will. And people say, how could God let something like that happen? God decreed it to happen. Yes, sir. Matter of fact, it was God it was happening to. That's right. I call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. There's some religious folk of another line of thought that says Jesus was the son of God but he wasn't God no he was God Amen. he was Emmanuel yes. which being interpreted is God with us oh my he laid down his life for his sheep the very ones given him by the father yes, sir. from before the foundation of the world in John 17, if you read carefully, there's not less than seven times Christ referred to those whom the Father hath given him. Amen. And he said from the beginning of that chapter, these are the ones that I've come to give eternal life. If he came to save humanity, he's the biggest failure this world's ever seen. But he came to save his people. Amen. And save his people he did. John six thirty seven, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. That's who's coming. And every one of them's coming. Nobody else. And when they come, he said, I will in no wise that is, not under any circumstances Amen. ever will I cast them out. Amen. Now, I don't know about this part of the country, but where I live, I hear the last part of that verse quoted 500 times and never hear the first part of the verse quoted. Exactly. Him that cometh to me, I will know I cast out. That is true. Sure. But here's who's coming. All that the Father giveth me, yeah. not might or hope to or wish they yes. would or ought to, exactly. but shall come unto me. You don't know what that word shall when you read the New Testament. Amen. 
That means it's, it's, it's for certain. It's for certain. John 6.44 No man can come unto me except the Father which sent me draw him. And the key word there is draw. Draw. Some of you can remember going out of the house and drawing water. You go out to the well. You let that bucket tied on the end of a rope you let it down into the well and when you get close you let it plop so it'll sink and get full of water and I've done that at my grandmother's house many times matter of fact that was what I wanted to do when I got there <laughs> and she was glad to let me and uh, but you know what you never got a drop of water by in, by inviting that bucket to make a decision and come up. It has to be drawn up. And there's resistance. There's resistance. And I was just a little boy. You better stay out of the way because if you let go of that handle, you get your head knocked off. There's resistance. Why? There's nothing down there to help. And we're in a world where there's nothing here to help. All the drawing power comes from above. Because of sin, we were all down in the well. No hope, no will even to come up. Apart from the power from above. That successfully does the drawing. God never lets go of the rope. The rope never breaks. If he draws you, you're coming. You're coming. He gets the job done. How blessed that is. And we're desperate without him. People don't believe that. Heard an old preacher say once that somebody hollered down to Jonah, down in the fishes, he said, hey, Jonah, why don't you make a decision? And he said, I did. That's why I'm here. That was our decision. We all did what our father Adam did, represented in him. We all shook our fist in God's face in the Garden of Eden. And it's brought us to where we are now. Romans chapter 8 and verse 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate. Don't be afraid of that word. Most of the preachers I know would rather handle a rattlesnake than to use that word in the pulpit. Moreover, whom he did predestinate. It simply means that the God of this Bible is bigger than you are. He's all wise. He's all-powerful, he's in control, and from eternity past, he predetermined, he predestinated that all he'd given to his son would be conformed to the very image of his son. And it's nothing but rebellion and pride 
that won't ascribe to God the right to do as he wills with whom he will. And this book says he's going to do it anyhow. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Effectually called. Effectually. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. Speaks of God's work as already completed. And certainly it will be. The book of Isaiah said that he declared the end from the beginning. And I had a fellow one time, so dumb, he asked me, he said, how can God say what's going to happen when it hadn't even happened yet? Because he's God, that's why. He declared the end from the beginning. And this speaks of God's work is already completed. You say, well, what if he predestinated someone who says no to his call? Everybody says no to the general call. We're instructed to preach the gospel to every creature. But if it goes, if it comes from nowhere but our lips into their ears, a general call, the answer is no. Not interested not interesting but those whom he's predestinated as his children to be conformed to his son are brought through repentance and faith to submit to and embrace this effectual call he makes it effectual now here's the big question have you been effectually called has the good news of the gospel had any effect in your heart and life? It's not like, as we hear so much today, it's not like you can back God in a corner anytime you please. You're not in charge here. He is. He is. I know many, many false prophets in our time are telling folks you can blackmail God and get your ticket to heaven when you're ready. The problem is you're never ready. Exactly. It's always later. Yeah, I'm going to change before I die. Well, when is that? It's always later, later. And if you have no heart for the Lord today, don't listen to this religious lie that you've left God out. You ought not leave God out of your life. The truth is he's left you out. And there's no reason in you that he shouldn't leave you out. And if you have no heart for the Lord today, what makes you think you ever will? It'll only be so if he does the work, not you. And if he doesn't, 
you'll perish in your sins. My daily plea is, Lord, have mercy on me. I don't need mercy. I don't need justice. I need mercy. And he is rich in mercy. I have no time really to tell the Lord how wonderful I am and how much I don't need him and neither do you. That was the situation in Luke 18 with the Pharisee and the publican. The Pharisee came to tell the Lord how much he didn't need him. And the publican came to tell the Lord how much he did need him. Which side are you on? That's, that's, that's the question. That's the big question. I come telling him what a miserable wretch I am. Every day that dawns and how much I do need him. And I suggest you do the same. For this reason, it is God who says and who said, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. We're at the mercy of God, folks, if you but knew it. So then it is not of him that willeth. So much for free will, so-called. Nor of him that runneth. Your religious works won't get it done. But of God that does what? Decides your good has outweighed your bad? No. No. But God, who did what? Saw that you turned over a new leaf? You didn't have a new leaf to turn over. That's right. Your leaf's filthy on both sides. But it's of God that showeth mercy. That's the good news of the gospel. God does show mercy. He is rich in mercy. Don't go telling him what you deserve. You don't want that. You'll find no favor with that. But plead with him for what you don't deserve. That's the blessed part. And I bless his holy name that he is rich in mercy. And that his grace is free. And anything that's not free grace is not grace. It's the only grace there is is free. Wasn't free to him, cost him everything. But it's free to us. Because he loved us before he ever hung the stars. I delight in that. I rejoice in that. I'm encouraged in that, Brother Joe. That he was doing stuff before I got here. A lot of folk think God couldn't do anything until they got here. And he sure won't be able to do much when they're gone. Oh my soul. I'm glad he's running right on track. He's on plan A and he don't have a plan B. 
Bless his holy name.